and uh, they didn't get them done because of the snow. They got backwards a week. So hopefully next week we'll have T-shirts for everybody uh, so that we can uh, kind of keep going what's going on. So we've been doing the series that's for this year. The word is authenticity, being authentic and embracing authenticity. And so that's kind of what we've been hitting. And we've been talked about vulnerability. We talked about humility and we talked about what we say, what it is that we're being authentic about. And then last week we did what we gain when we are authentic. And so today I wanted to kind of do maybe the antithesis of authentic. And it's something that Jesus said. And so let's go to Luke chapter 12. Now Jesus has just come out of a place where the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees had put in some tests. And, uh, you know, I think Jesus being the Son of Man and God, the Son of God, uh, sometimes got fed up with people that were religious. And so chapter 11 is basically where he had basically told the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and all those guys that are those Hedron guys, he basically said, you know, y'all are of the devil and you ain't doing what God wants you to do. And he just kind of come out and just blasted them. And so they're looking for a chance to find him and trap him and put him in a place. Wow, we're stopping and going at the same time. Okay. Uh, a place to actually put Jesus in prison, to, to kill him, do something to him, to take him out of society at the time. And so chapter 12, it starts with that that thought in the back of our mind if you read chapter 11. And so in the first part of 12, it says, in the meantime. In other words, while they're trying to do all this stuff, Jesus is going on and doing what he's going to do because he's authentic, right? He's doing what he's going to do. He's not going to let anybody else pressure him. So in the meantime, so it says, when an, a number of multitude of people are gathered together, now that sounds like a great thing, right? a lot of people, people are gathering together, right? It says, so that they trampled one another. Have you ever read that before? They just trampled one another? Have you ever been in such a crowd? They're pressing and they're pushing and they're trying to get, and they just start trampling each other. Uh, if you go to uh, India and you, we went to a, uh, a homeless camp. Now, our homeless have it better here in our country than most of the people that have homes in India, okay? So the homeless in India are really nasty places. And so we went and we brought cake, uh, like two pieces of bread with a little icing in it. It's kind of like an icing sandwich. And we took that and we cut it up. I don't know. We must have had, how many hot loaves did we have, Matthias? Do you remember? I don't know. I mean, it was, it was like trays and trays of this cake that was cut up. And we get off the bus and we're handing it out. And I have never been so trampled because everybody is just, just, and they're just, it's almost like, you know, you're not going to get some. They're pulling each other away from it, and they're they're trying to get it. And it was so trampling. Matter of fact, somebody pickpocketed my phone out of my pocket, and I didn't even know it because I got so pressed against the bus. And so that's what's going on. The people were so wanting to be near Jesus, they're trampling one another. That's I mean, we we don't we don't get trampled coming to church. The only place I know we get trampled is like leaving sporting events or going into sporting events or Black Friday shopping. That's what we get trampled with, right? So 
So we don't, we, don't, we don't understand this trampling kind of thing for the spiritual. They were so hungry for God. They were, so, they were like, I, I, I got to get it. And so I'm sure Jesus is sitting there saying, oh, how, how sad is this that this group of people are so starving and so naked and so homeless in the kingdom of God that they're trampling one another in that thing. And so he's seeing this because he's looking at it. And so he begins to not say to the multitude. He turns basically and looks at his disciples and he's like, hey guys, you see what's going on here? And this is what he says to them. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He says, in other words, the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, that thing that's inside of them that bubbles up. You know what leaven is, right? I don't. I don't really cook, but I, I eat cooking that has leaven in it, right? I eat bread that has the little holes in it, right, where the yeast and the, the sugar is combined and caught, made the, the bread puff up, right? That's the leaven. And Jesus talks about, he says, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump, right? And so you fold it in and whatever. And so he said, the Pharisees leaven, the thing that has corrupted them was just a small piece of hypocrisy. Now, we, we have people outside the church call people inside the church hypocrites, right? You, you hear that. Oh, well, when I go to that church, they're just a full of bunch of hypocrites, right? And, and we say, well, no, we're real. But if they see that about us, you know, what's going on? And, and what hypocrisy really is, is that the Greek word was meant actor. They were actors. They would put on the, the mask. They would stand on the stage. And the Greeks, that was the... Hypocrisy. That was the actors. Those are the people that lied. Now, we call them famous now, and we pay attention to them and pay them millions of dollars to lie to us all the time. And we, and so I, my thing is, if the church is full of hypocrites, then, then we're the best paid people in the world because everybody should be flocking to us, right? Because they do it for the actors, right? But that's what he's saying. It was that they were acting one way. Inside of them, though, was just a little bit of something that was different that was bubbling up and expanding and puffing them up and making them whatever. And if you read chapter 11, it's religion. It's religiosity. So let's define religiosity. and Because we talk about religion sometimes, and maybe, maybe sometimes that's a Christianese word, and I want to talk about what religion is. Religion is when rules, outcome, and behavior are made based upon man's expectations of you and I. That's religion. That's religion. What we believe in here is relationship. Your actions, your behavior, and the way things are is because you're in relationship with the Almighty God, and it changes you from the inside out. But religion is we put on a lot of facades and a lot of boundaries and a lot of things on you outside to make you conform to the normal. And that is the hypocrisy that is the religion is just enough leaven to make you look bad. And what it is, is our words don't line up with what's inside of us. That's hypocrisy. The Pharisees would say things that sounded godly, but the inside of them were not the same. And so Jesus said that's their leaven. They're acting one way and they're speaking one way, but it does not line up with what's in core inside of them. And so today I want to say what's opposite of authenticity is when your insides don't line up with your outsides. When what you think and you imagine don't line up with the way you act. 
And the only way you can get rid of that, really, truly, to get rid of hypocrisy, is change your relationship. Change your relationship with God. Change your relationship with what you interact with Him and how that does. And quit trying to be based upon some external rules, some external conformities, external pressures on you. So uh, let's just talk about some religion that we have even in our church, some religion that we have in our church, right? So one of the big religion things we have here in our church is you sit in the same sections. (laughs) Matter of fact, some of you got your seat almost saved, right? And it's not that you, if somebody came in and sat in your seat, you'd be okay with it. Here in church, we're okay with that, but it's just uncomfortable if you had to move from the spots that you normally sit in, right? That's, and that's an external control on your internal behavior that's religion. Because, see, it doesn't matter where you sit. It's what is your relationship in the service. And so you might sit on this side, but I guarantee you, I could ask several of you in this section, what's the name of those persons on that side? Or I could ask that section over there, some of the names of the people on this section, And even this close together, I could ask you this section against this section, and we're not a large church, but because we do it. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Get up and move seats. Sections. Move sections. Move sections. Move sections. Well, you've already moved sections, Wendy. You're okay. Yeah, move sections. All the way over. So now when you sit in a new section, if you find a wallet, it's now yours. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. No? Okay, we're not doing that? Okay. So so when it comes to... That's one of, one of the things. Now, you may say this feels a little uncomfortable. This sounds a little different. We're, we're still trying to even sit down. Oh, yeah, we're meeting people we haven't met in a long time. Okay, okay, gotcha. And we even do greeting time here. Okay. So, in your life, there are places that you're doing things that you've conformed to because it has been pushed on you, conformed to you, that maybe you've done something. So let me tell you one of the places that, that I have to constantly deal with in my life with religion, and that's vows. Anybody ever made a vow? So I'd done LT360, I lost a bunch of weight, and uh, I was down to like 135, 140. I know you can't believe that right now. But uh, I'd done really good, and this was about five years ago. Everything was going well. And I did a wedding up in, on the mountain, and Braden was with me because it was one of his friends' friends' weddings or something. And he took a bunch of pictures. And in the picture, I kid you not, I thought my dad had been at the wedding. Because in the picture, it was me. But I didn't recognize myself. I looked like my dad. And you know something? It bothered me. Because I had made a vow, okay, as a kid. Now, this is, this is, this is tender, okay? I had made a vow that I would not be like my dad. I'll never be a pastor. 
Okay, God makes me do that. Okay, but I'm not going to look like him. I'm not going to be like him. I'm going to be strong. You know, I was lifting weights. I was doing stuff so that I would not be like my dad. Now, my dad's 83. He can run circles around most of everybody that he works with, right? But for some reason, as a kid, there was something inside of him. And I'm like, I am not going to be like my dad. I had made that vow. And immediately when that started happening, I started gaining weight. I started eating incorrectly. I started doing stuff, and I started to do. And and. And Rebecca was like, what's going on with you? Why are you all of a sudden starting to, to go back to eating like you were eating and eating the sugar and stuff like that? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. But back in the back of my head, in the darkness of my thoughts, I had made a vow that I would not be like my dad. And in that, it changed my physical appearance. Now, you can take a picture of me next to my dad, and I do not look like my dad. But I have had struggled with that for like three years now about... What is it that I had made a vow? What had I said to myself that had caused me to do this moment, do this kind of thing? And, and it just, as I've dealt with this for three years and done it, there have been things that have been exposed that I have vowed about myself that I have struggled with because I was living a Hippocratic life. I was acting one way, but inside of myself, I had made vows that looked different than that. And Jesus says in the rest of this little verse here, he says, oh, page turn. He says, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have spoken in the ear in an inner room will be proclaimed on the housetop. See, God doesn't want us in a place where we've got things in the darkness of ourselves that are not exposed. And so for me, that one picture at a wedding exposed something inside the darkness that I had said to myself, that I had vowed to myself, that was causing me to live a life that wasn't what it is. Now, what I'm having to struggle with is I'm like my dad. I'm pastoring like my dad. I'm pastoring the church that my dad. I'm the same kind of person as my dad. I get caught up in one task, and one task only, and I just push everybody else out of my life because I'm a task-oriented, and I've got to work on, and so, you know, and I, I see the weaknesses in my dad. I saw the weaknesses in my dad because I was close to him, and in those vows of the darkness, I had made a vow, but in reality, my actions were lining up exactly like my dad. It's just my thoughts and those things I kept saying, I want, and I was living a lie. And so there are all kinds of places in our life you know, we do things with our parents. So someday my daughter is going to be in a place and she's going to be like, I'm not going to be like my mom. It's got to be supposed to be funny now. <laughs> you know, she's going to say, I'm not going to be like my dad. She's going to make some kind of vows because she sees the weaknesses in us as parents and it's going to cause her to do something. And so I want to live my life open so that whenever she looks at it, that she understands that I'm in a still a work in progress. I'm not a hypocrite, no whatever, so that she doesn't make vows. So in her life, she excels, right? That's what I want to happen. But more than likely, there are going to be places. There's going to be places that I'm in relationship with people, and I just make vows. I just don't like that person. I don't love that person. Well, I'm not supposed to say that, am I? I'm a pastor. Uh, you know, you know, have you ever just ran into people that you just have a hard time with? And you make a vow. You know, I'm just not going to care. I'm just not going to whatever it is. And in doing that, 
you act like one way around them and another way away from them. Right? Whatever you've done in the darkness, whatever you've spoken in the inner room, will come to light because God does not want us to live our life that way. Now, everybody go back to their original seat. You don't have to, but if somebody's sitting in your seat, you know. There's a verse, there's a parable in chapter 12 that Jesus tells to correspond with what he talks about in there. And in that parable, he's talking about a rich fool that has a lot of stuff, a lot of crops coming in, and he builds, wants to build a bigger barn, so he tears down his older barns and starts building his bigger barns. And then it says, the judgment's pronounced over him, you fool. Your life will be required of you tonight. And so who will get what you have, right? And that's the kind of the parable. And so in that parable, we're like, oh, okay, you know what? We don't need to be a fool. We don't need to be playing. No, that's, that's not got anything to do with that. What Jesus is trying to tell in that parable is he's trying to tell us, like, listen, you cannot vow your way into changing your life. You cannot plan your way into changing your life in a more meaningful way. You cannot... Put constrictions on yourself to do it. The more you try not to sin, have you found the more you sin? The more I think about not eating chocolate-covered peanuts, the more chocolate-covered peanuts come my way, right? The more I think about sin, the more I sin. So the more I try to conform to something that is not what it is, it becomes my focus. And so he's telling this parable, he's like, hey, you fool, don't be about planning what you think it's going to be his thing is is get in relationship with god get in a relationship with the father because he does this whole thing about he who confesses me before men i will confess before angels that's kind of what he goes through and then he tells this parable he's trying to tell these people he's trying to tell his disciples he's trying to tell them as they're looking at this crowd trying to so get in the presence of god that they're trampling whether he's trying to tell them listen listen Soak yourself in God and let his plans bubble up from the inside out. Let yourself soak in God and let your actions bubble up from the inside out. So soak yourself in God that your decisions bubble up from the inside out in such a way that when you move, you move like God would want to move. Because Jesus did nothing unless the Father showed him to do it, right? He never did anything unless the Father showed him. How could he walk that way? Because he tells us where to walk that way. He tells us to do the same thing. He can only walk that way from the inside out. Because you never see God speaking to him, I want you to heal that man. From the inside out, he knew what he was supposed to do. And so for us, if we're going to be foolish, we're going to let the outside rule in. But if we're going to be wise, we're going to let the inside work our way out out as we do it and then we're authentic and we're not hypocrites because of the way we live our lives so 
where are you at in life? What's been going on in your life? What's been happening in which maybe you kind of feel like things are unsettled or maybe like me, things are happening and you don't understand why those things are happening. Maybe you don't see what's going on around you and you're like, you know, it just seems, what is it? that maybe there was a vow said, or maybe what was said in the inner side of yourself, in that darkness, in that self-person that you are, that maybe is being exposed to the light. And God's wanting to bring you to a place where you can be authentic and not a hypocrite. Maybe there's some things in your life right now that you're like, "Ah, just if I could just get a hold of this, my life would change. And God's wanting to say, if you could just get a hold of me, your life would change. You know, what is it that you need in your life right now? You know, what is it that you're wanting in life? What are you desiring in life? If you lock into God, if you really lock into his presence, lock into that relationship, lock into that with him, it really will give you everything you desire. And it will be an easy flow. And the words that are spoken out of your mouth will line up with your actions and your actions will line up with your inner thoughts and your inner thoughts will line and you know what we call that we call that peace it's one of the fruit of the spirit peace peace means that you're in harmony from your spirit to your soul to your body and the only way you can get there is to be authentic in your relationship with God and let the spirit dwell up out and bubble out of you and perform those things in your life and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the band to come on up, but I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. And I'm going to ask you, where are you at 